0: The uh, topic for this quarter in our Wednesday night Bible study is going to be the topic of challenges for the Christian. We Christians have challenges, more so maybe than other people. Uh, if we don't have challenges, we may need to reevaluate things. I think we could say safely tonight, if we're a Christian and we don't have challenges, we may need to reevaluate uh, what we're participating in. Thank you, sir. Um, and what is determined to be a Christian. But challenges for the Christian, we're going to look in this study, uh, as you can see tonight, the first one there, um, the gospel of challenge. And we're going to look at topics uh, in the next few weeks to the thought of the challenge to lift up our eyes. To rise above mediocrity. The challenge to unselfish living. The challenge to deal with hard truth. The challenge to properly deal with guilt. A lot of people carry guilt. The challenge to be thankful. The challenge when duty becomes desire. When our duty becomes to desire rather than a duty. Maybe the challenge to single people, singles, we could say, what our young people and what our younger adults are facing. In our world today, the challenge to the young married people. A lot of us are older in here, but we might be a good night to, a couple nights to keep our young in here. I don't know. Our older teenagers and younger adults, I don't know. But also the challenge to middle aged people. Because a lot of things happen as we get older with our bodies. But spiritually, our bodies change as they get older, but our spiritual life changes sometimes too. Sometimes we feel like, in the last lesson, will be the challenge to our older ages of people. Because sometimes we get in the rut as we hit middle age that, well, I've paid my dues it's time for me to do what? Coast on in, Settle back. Not work in the church. Not do different things. And sometimes those are challenges for people. So tonight, we're looking at, as you can see, the outline. Lesson one. The gospel of challenge. She you read in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 through 24, we know the story well. We know the account well. What's it about? Ahab and Elijah. Ahab and Elijah. Prophets of Baal. Mount Carmel. Carmel, Carmel. Carmel. <laughs> I say Carmel, Carmel. Uh, altar. Altar. Fire coming down, strange fire, all this kind of stuff. And Elijah, in that, he tells the people of God, the children of Israel, I'm paraphrasing, you can go and read it word for word, but he, he goes on and he, and, he, and he tells, what does he tell them there? He builds an altar, putting stone for every tribe. What, what is he telling them at the end of this thing or towards the end? You remember? How long will you halt between the two two opinions? How long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you ride the fence? How long will you dabble in this and, and, and try to dabble in Christianity or living for God? And that's how we can bring it up to twenty twenty-one. How long Are you going to dabble in those things that are questionable or sin and still try to dabble in Christianity and and play the part of, I'm a Christian and I want the gospel. Tonight's topic again, the challenge of the gospel, the gospel of challenge. So these these people here are, are in that... I guess that middle part—I guess you could say—Israel was deeply in trouble spiritually. I would say today the world is deeply troubled. What? Spiritually, overall, spiritually. They had turned to idolatry. Just to kind of give you a background of, of what they had done. They had forsaken God's command commands, and they had followed Balaam. Prophets of Baal, verse 18, and Balaam. And if you remember, he requested them all to come to Mount Carmel. And he faced the people with a great cha- uh, challenge there in verse 21. How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And you remember the story well. Elijah called for a contest, didn't he? To see who was a true God was. If you remember, the prophets of Baal cried all day long, cut themselves. And eventually, Elijah is doing what to him. He's actually making fun of them, really. He says, will not you cry a little louder? Yeah, a little louder. He may be on a trip. He may be on vacation. Because it wasn't working. You know the rest of the story. The water poured on theirs, and the fire came down from heaven and consumed it all, didn't it? He had them bring extra barrels of of water, didn't he? That's right. He even lapped it up in the trench. And that same challenge, now hear this. That same challenge is present before you and I this very hour tonight. We say, well, how's that? We're not dealing with prophets of Baal. We're not Baal. We're not following Baal. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Brothers and sisters, we are challenged to have the courage to have the courage to respond to the call of God, to be able to answer the challenge of the living for Christ, And also, who of us will stand, will both stand for the right? Who will do the will of God? Who will keep his commandments? Who will live up to the Revelation 2 and verse 10? Be thou faithful unto death. Who of us will make it? Even if it means death. Exactly right. Jason prayed a while ago, thanking our God for our freedoms that are protected, that we can come together like we are tonight. There may come a day in my lifetime and yours that we cannot come together without persecution. The question is, and I don't don't think it's far away. You look at the condition of our government, you look at the condition of our, our land, Well, what will you do? Will you still drive up here and park your car and get out and come in? Or will you stay at home? Oh, I believe I'll stay at home because I don't want to be associated with those folks down there because I just might get shot or killed. <laughs> I won't tell you, not in a bragging way, but what a way to die. Coming to the assembly. That challenges us for us tonight. As you can look in discussion part there, number one, unfortunately, most people want to hear a gospel of what? Oh, how many many times have we said that? Most people want preaching. There's some, some, we talked about qualifiers for prayer, right, Sunday? There's qualifiers for, for worship. Can y'all name them? What's number one? What do you think number one? What do you think? I'm just, I'm just off the top of your head. There ain't no certain order, but what do you think? Make me feel good? Me feel good? Entertain. Entertain me. Don't talk about anything that might upset me or something that's going on in my family or do I? politically, yeah, politically correct. Don't talk about or preach on those things that's one qualifier. Another qualifier for worship in most people's minds is you just better not take too much what? Time. Better not take too much time. Got a schedule. schedule. I've got to be out of here so I can go jump on whatever. Or I can go do this. Or I got to go do that. Or... Where should we be the most relaxed and comfortable and without a schedule? Right here. Right here. Man, we should be most happy right here. Now, I know you mamas have got kids and we went through that. My, my poor wife, all of our life of having children, bless her heart. There were times that I had to pause my preaching and look down and go, help her out but I'm going to tell you when we came to church it looked like we was moving we had every book we had every Noah's Ark little stuff thing that they take them little animals out and sometimes they'd go flying And uh, but she had everything that to keep them content during those times that makes it hard when, when it is a long time But what I'm saying, where should we be most? Unfortunately, people want a gospel of comfort. They prefer to hear a watered-down Christianity. Under that first, there, uh, first uh, part of the outline. Truth decay. That's a good yeah. Sugar-coated gospel calls a truth decay, playing off words of tooth, isn't it? But people want to, what's that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you have that, it takes all the pain away. Takes all the sacrifice, takes all the guilt away. Makes them feel comfortable. And one that deceives me into believing that sin is really not all that bad. I'm going to tell you, we need to teach and preach and teach and preach our children and our congregations. This clear that sin is sin. It's bad. It'll make you go down a bad road. And hell is still hot and real. <laughs> exactly. That's what we gotta teach. So again, that's what one, one one that sees no need to speak out against sin or religious error. They they don't. They see no need to hear lessons against liberalism. They see no need. We don't want you speaking on that. We don't want you speaking on modernism and sectarianism and cultism and, and, and all those isms. They don't want you to speak on that. So tonight, that challenge of the true gospel, we should all desire that true, pure gospel to be preached and to be taught. That's where that the challenge is. For the most part, I'd say everybody here wants that. But some who have came and gone and came and gone don't want that. A lot of times, that's why people move about a whole lot, don't they? What do they do, they don't. They hear something here they don't like. What do they do, move on down the road, don't they? Or don't go anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, But that type of gospel is one that continues to let people live ungodly. It justifies social sins in the name of, what's the number one excuse our kids tell us when we say, you can't do that? What do they say? Huh? You did it? That's what I'm looking for. Everybody else does it. And what do we say? Because we became our parents when we got older. You're not, you're not everybody else. Or if everybody else went and jumped off a cliff, would you go jump off a cliff? We became our parents. Y'all seen that Geico commercial? Y'all seen that where it says, don't become your parents? And they're practicing, like, sitting down in a chair. And they're like, okay, don't do it, don't do it. And the guy sits down, and he goes, oh, oh man. <laughs> he says, oh, you're just like your parents. <laughs> uh, I, I love that commercial. Because my kids are like... Dad, that's you. (laughs) That's you. Then they say, okay, we're going to download a PDF. (laughs) Who wants to be first? They all go, no, 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 no. Uh, So when we get old, we become our parents, right? Uh, So everybody else is doing it. This gospel, this gospel of comfort uh, allows one's heart to stay on worldly things. It allows them to, to stay in, in the middle of, of all those things of the world. And they're never confronted. They're never said, okay, this, we don't need this. A lot of times, that type of the challenge with that, wanting a watered-down, sugar-coated gospel, encourages one to want something for nothing. And, and what What is the gist of our society today? What did I just say? Wanting something for nothing. That's one of the first steps towards communism. that's That's what we're getting a lot of today. I mean, we can still call Washington and the leaders right now, Democratic but I'm gonna tell you, those guys are that close or getting that close into communism because I still I got an article laying on my desk right now that I printed off the other day about how I mentioned it not too long ago, uh, how Khrushchev he said that we'll we'll take over your country without ever firing a shot. And it names off everything that happens. And one of the things that happens to bring about communism is give all the people something, give everybody everything they want for. Nothing, because they will not ever stand up and fight against you. Where are we at? How many years have we said, man? Just go, hey, just come down to the elementary school, stand out on the, on the little thing there. When people drop off, they in their and they're going back home. And if you ain't, if you don't open that door at seven o'clock, at seven o one, they're cussing you out. But you know why? Because they need to hurry up, get back home. And go back to bed. And I ain't talking about elderly people. (laughs) I'm talking about people younger than you guys and me that are not working. They don't work. They want something for nothing. And again, I mean, I guess you see it, don't you? (laughs) A lot of people have to see it. Um, So again, same thing in the gospel. That same thought process has filtered or has flown down into flowed down into the Lord's church. Don't offend me. You got to be politically correct and give me. I want. I want heaven. I want heaven, but I don't want to give up nothing for it. That's the way it is. Yeah, but cake. <laughs> cake and eat it too. Yeah, exactly right. Number two, Point number two, we should want to hear and respond to a gospel of challenge. The true gospel says, according to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, under the, the uh, bullet A there, under the point number two, God's not willing that any should perish, but at what? All should, All should come to repentance. Mark 16 and 16, you know it well. And he that believeth not. That's right. So you know those scriptures. You know that. And and we have to teach other people that. Um, You know, that that wants to respond to a gospel of challenge, one that urges men and women to turn to God while there's opportunity. Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 7 and 8 partly says this to us. Today, today, if you will hear his voice, and harden not your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. Be too late. We sing that, don't we? Always reminds me. My granddaddy, that was his favorite song. Ever singing we ever went to, he wouldn't lead nothing else but that one song. He says there's a whole sermon right there in that whole song. <laughs> That's what he'd always say. You look at B, we need to hear the gospel that will challenge man to live like those portrayed in the Bible. Did you hear that? Live like those who are portrayed in the Bible. Who should we want to ultimately be like? Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there are a lot of biblical characters that we can relate to, that we should want to be like. There are good people in this congregation that's nothing wrong with us saying, Hey, I want to pattern myself. After those people. Because they're good Christian people. We younger people. I'm still young. Even though I'm, I'll be 52 Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. On the Lord's Day, I'll be 52. Uh, I still consider myself young. What a great present, a great young birthday. That's right. <laughs> hey, It's a great present. Great present. Um, but even... I look at older people. In your desire as young men, and I'm pointing to you younger men than me, you should be preparing yourself right now. Should have happened a long time ago to be leaders in the Lord's church. It's not too late. Because i want to tell you, one thing the Lord's church is hurting in, across the brotherhood, is leaders. Men who qualify for elders, men who qualify for deacons, and not just the men. Who else? Their wives, too. So we're hurting in that. And we need to accept this challenge to be portrayed like those people in the Bible. You can read about Ezekiel, who stood faithfully and courageously, if you remember, with a rebellious people. He denounced their sins to them in uh, Ezekiel 22 and 26 through 30 and 31. People like Joseph. We just talked about Joseph, didn't we? He was in, in, in prison, a slave. He could have every right and way of thinking in the world to be mad and to even have his family killed, I guess, if he, if, if he thought of the world worldly way. But he didn't. He didn't. Was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, falsely at that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but portray ourselves like Ezekiel and Joseph. And What about Moses? Who could, who could, turn, his, who, who could turn his back upon position and power and wealth and pleasures and be willing to suffer in the process. I can't remember exactly how it goes. It was one of my favorite scriptures. He said he would enjoy a season, yes, a season. I couldn't bring it up how it goes. Uh, rather than to stay in Egypt, basically, let me paraphrase it, and have all the power and wealth and, and prestige and everything. He, could, he said, I, I'd rather suffer than to have that and be right with God. You see, that's the attitude. What about Paul? Traveled far and wide preaching the gospel. He suffered shipwrecks, imprisonments, beatings, but he did it gladly, didn't he? If you want to talk about Paul, he realized that the gospel of comfort wasn't for him, Philippians, or was, uh, wasn't for him, uh, Philippians 4.13. He didn't want a gospel of comfort, sugar-coated. These people showed great courage in their life, faced giants in their life, temptations of sin, waves of unbelief, waters of doubt. But they done what? Remained faithful, steadfast steadfast to God. They persevered. And that brings me to Sunday morning's sermon persevering. Why we believe what we believe about perseverance. Because I'm going to tell you, our, congregations has, our congregation right here has suffered a lot of loss. A lot of sadness. And it's very easy for our congregation right now to get down and out and to walk away And not continue on. Be very easy. So I think we need a good shot in the arm (laughs) on how to persevere and keep on keeping on because life brings us down. Now, point number three we have a great task ahead of us. If we're going to do those things, we're not going to have a watered down gospel. We're going to accept that challenge. We have a great task before you and I. A great task. The world is being filled with a gospel of comfort and modernism and non-conviction and compromise and greed and even rebelling against God and people not even believing in God and, and people taking gross things and saying, yes, that's okay, and, and God intended for you to be that way. and uh, It's just a terrible, terrible way. But God is calling upon you and I, notice I said you and I, to stand in the gap, to speak out, to stand for what's right, Jeremiah called it the, old pass. the old pass. That was one of the wordage, or the adage and wordage that my grandfather used on his deathbed to me. He said, keep it on, in the middle, but stay to the old paths. Don't, don't get involved in this modernism and liberalism. He said, There's nothing wrong with doing it the same way we've done it, as long as it do not become tradition and we make tradition God's law. There's a difference there. It's exactly right. But we got to stand in the gap, we've got to speak it out with words even that it will bring salvation or it may bring damnation when we speak out for the truth. Life or death, light or darkness, justification or condemnation. And for us to accept that challenge and to carry on this task, you and I have got to be full of faith We have got to have character. Those two things go hand in hand. We've got to have a strong faith. We've got to continue to build our character. Don't think your character is done being built. I don't care how old you are. Your character is still being built. And you know one thing? We've got to have conviction and courage. What does conviction mean? One of the best sermons I ever heard, that man right over there preached it, and back in 2003 or four, in the old building, first time I ever came to McCoinsville Church of Christ. Sat on the back right side, third, second or third seat back, third or second row back. And he pre- t- preached on conviction. And we've got to stand for something. We got to believe in something and hold on to the beliefs. See, so that's what we're challenged to do in the world in which we live. That will teach us right now just to give up. How many times you want to give up? How many times you just want to say, it ain't worth it. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of trying to live right. Because every time I turn around, something is going wrong, and I'm being faced with this, and I make a mistake, and I do this, and I do that, and I don't do this. It's very disturbing to us. And it can cause us to fall down. If I could count in my life how many times i have been knocked down. I guess it would be too numerous to count, I guess. But it's not about how many times you got knocked down. It's about how many times what? You get back up. I gotta shut up. I'm getting into Sunday. (laughs) I'm getting into Sunday. I gotta shut my mouth. That's not. It's hard for me to do. It's hard for me to stay to just keep out of the two, especially when I'm studying all week. Those things are up here in my head. So again, the real question tonight: Where is the God of Elijah? That God that. Supported Elijah, that upheld him, that sent down that fire, took care of God's people, provided for him. Where is that God of Elijah? Exactly. He has not moved, he's still there. He is greatly concerned for mankind, he's concerned for this world, this nation, this state. This county, your community, your home, your children, your family—we can just break it right on down. God is concerned for mankind. Where are the seven thousand who have not bowed to the knee of God of this world? Where are the Moses, the Joshua's, David's, Peter's, Paul's, Mary's, uh, the Deborahs of the Bible? Where are those who are willing to answer the gospel of challenge? The need for those kind of people never ceases. If that makes sense. We need more of those people. I want to tell you what, accepting that gospel challenge will be costly to you. You're going to lose some things along the way. You're going to lose some family. You might even lose a little money. You might even lose a little popularity. It's going to be costly to you. It requires to give up some wills, our wills, to the will of God. And I see the kids they're out there, and i got to stop. I had about three or four more conclusion points, but you can look at your outline and finish that up. Thanks for your comments and kind attention.